this is the old show feed for the LGBTQ podcast that gives you news and views from a non-straight perspective. We took the eight out of the name, so the podcast was renamed Not Straightcast, all spelled out as of episode 32. The last episode on this old feed is episode 35. Episode 36 and beyond are now located on the new feed. All the links are located on our website, notstraightcast.com, where you can search for Not Straightcast in your favorite podcast app. Also, visit notstraightworld.com for links to all of our websites. Want to support Not Straightcast? Visit the notstraightcast.com slash store where you can get a Not Straightcast t-shirt, hat, bag, coffee mug, and much, much more. Along with getting some snazzy merchandise, your purchase in the notstraightcast.com forward slash store also helps support the show. Once again, that's notstraightcast.com forward slash store. The podcast that gives you news and views from a not straight perspective. This is Not Straight Cast 19 for July 15th, 2021. Welcome to Not Straight Cast. I'm Joe Cranock. And I'm Jason Bailey. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Hey, you actually gave me a correct name here on your end. <laughs> I last couldn't week think you were fat. I couldn't think of anything clever the week before you were me. Yeah. And before that, I was apparently Jason Bailey. Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember back that far. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Jason, how's your week been? I've been talking to you in a little while. It's been very busy. So very I got busy. the yeah, so yeah. You your new job now. Huh? Yeah. I uh, so I was I was promoted to the assistant manager, but I'm also still doing all of the marketing and event work on top of that. And beyond so, that, so, so now you have two jobs instead of just one job. Right. But okay. beyond that, since we reopened after the pandemic, we weren't yet fully staffed. So ah. I was covering staff shifts. So you had three jobs then. Yeah. Well, I did, but we or got four. a new. How many we, did you actually have? A lot, but we got <laughs> uh, a new guy hired and I got him trained really quickly over the weekend so that he could cover those shifts this week so that I didn't have to do the actual employee shifts. Okay. So here I am back at three o'clock doing a podcast. You sound so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. As, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to have to go down because I, I want to check and make sure he's doing okay since he's new. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So in that case, at least you have somebody else now there that you can, mop up the cum right <laughs> something like that something I, like I that i don't know i don't know what happens at a bathhouse that needs training on <laughs> yeah put your no. penis in the hole no the hole the hole no it's, the hole. it's like a real job <laughs> but uh i i did i did actually have uh a TikTok video on the club's TikTok account that, uh-huh. that blew up pretty well. It got like 33,000 views. A lot of people commenting on it saying pretty much the same stuff that you just said. What was it? Um, that one for like the exciting career in bathhouse. Yeah. Okay. That was funny. Yeah, absolutely. Just the way you said that <laughs> the exciting career of bathhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I must say you have a very good announcing voice. Well, thank you. You know where I learned that the radio station. No, believe it or not. I no, I sucked at the DJ job. Oh, okay. I, I learned that whenever I was working at customer service at Best Buy, Uh, because if you called Best Buy, they had this incredibly, uh, incredibly enthusiastic guy that was like, hello, and thanks for calling Best Buy, you know, like (laughs) something like that. And we always kind of made fun of that. Uh, and we had to do these uh, very frequent, regular announcements over the PA system for like the Best Buy credit card and the Best Buy rewards zone program. The Best Buy credit card will put you into debt. Yeah. Apply well, today. So my colleagues and I started trying to imitate that voice. Okay. Uh, and we would we would get on the intercom and we would do it as like exaggerated as possible. So we would get on there and we'd be like welcome to best buy 
did you know that Best Buy offers free financing? (laughs) (laughs) Did you also know I'm a douche? (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, but if, if uh, sometimes, so what, what was in that TikTok video was sort of a watered down version of that exaggerated voice that I used to do at Best Buy. That's a great exaggerated voice. I must say. Yeah. but yeah, it was, we had a lot of fun at Best Buy. So anyways, uh, since we have a lot of news to get into today, let's go ahead and get right into the first story. The Georgian cameraman has died after he was violently beaten by a mob while covering anti-pride protests in uh, Tbilisi this last week. Andrew, uh, also known as Lesko, Lashkarava's body was discovered at his home by his mother on Sunday morning on uh, July 11th, just six days after the T-Bilzy Pride was canceled as uh, far-right thugs unleashed a wave of violence on the city. Lashkarava, a TV Provelli cameraman, sustained broken bones in his face and a concussion after the mob broke into the offices of the Shame Movement in T-Bilzy on Monday, July 5th, where he was working with journalist Miranda Baghartaria. Reflecting on the attack, Baghartaria said that she and Lashkarava were cornered by a mob while covering the outbreak of violence. A priest allegedly grabbed her by the hair and she was hit, after which uh, Lashkarava intervened. So really? A priest? Wow. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? Lashkarava told the men to stop beating uh, Baghartaria and then they turned on him. <laughs> the mob proceeded to beat him mercilessly for 20 minutes. Baghartaria said um, that they um, left him in a pool of blood. Meanwhile, 15 people were um, holding me. I was yelling at them not to kill him. They were prodding and hitting me, Baghartaria said. Lashkarava was subsequently treated in the hospital for his injuries, and he was discharged on uh, July 9th, which was Friday. The cause of death has not yet been revealed. So um, the activists now have called on uh, Georgia's government to resign uh, because there was shock and outrage in Georgia on Sunday as the news broke that Lashkarava had died. Uh, TV Pravelli owner Vato Tseretelli, T-S-E-R-E-T-E-L-I, okay? So if you wonder, I'm struggling to pronounce some of these names here. Hit out the country's government, suggesting that the prime minister, Iraqi Gara Bashavili, was personally responsible after he blamed the outbreak of violence on the LGBTQ community. Five people have been arrested in connection with the attack. However, the TV Pravelli said that uh, managed to identify nine of the assailants uh, from the video footage. Thousands of people gathered outside Georgia's parliament in the evening on Sunday, July 11th, to call for uh, Garbashvili's res- resignation. In a furious speech, TV Pravelli anchor uh, Ika Misha Videlis said that Georgia has no future at the hands of this government. We will not cover anything you do, Mish Cavelli warned the government. Your lives must finish. We will show you the power of media. So, um, yeah, this has been a absolutely uh, crazy story because um, last Monday, um, July 5th there, uh, there was supposed to be a pride, vel- a, a pride celebration in Tees Billy. Um, that got ca- called off as on the far right protests. They started spiling a little bit out of control. Okay. You know, and it was just um, the case there where the um, the president there, Garibashavili, um, they they said that it was unreasonable of uh, Tia Billy's pride to stage a march in the first place. So basically they were saying is, is that, well, you're going to piss off people, so don't do this. And uh, basically, then they're like, kind of like, oh, you know, we didn't expect there to be violence and people killed. So, yeah, absolutely crazy things going on there. You know, it just reminds you how far some countries have to go in regards there with LGBTQ rights. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a hard story to follow there, especially for us in the U.S. there. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's certainly nonetheless something you do not want to see anywhere yeah. in the world. And hopefully... You know, things will uh, move forward there rights-wise. But, yeah, you don't want to see violence and fights and death Yeah, over a freaking pride celebration, which is supposed to be, you know, bringing everybody together. So, uh, Speaking of bringing everybody together, right? this next story 
could have potentially been in the moment of conclusion, but it just so happens that Joe found an even weirder story for that. So we're just going to do this one here. Uh, Joe Jeffries, an anti-LGBTQ Republican in the West Virginia House of Delegates, has been removed from his committee posts after sharing terrible cunnilingus advice on TikTok. Oh, all right. Looking forward to getting into the rest of this and see how it plays out. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Jeffries has promoted religious gay conversion compared to trans people to dogs identifying as cats and was the lead sponsor of a bill that would have forbid any teaching or displays relating to sexuality in the state's public schools. But in an ironic move for a lawmaker so vehemently against discussion of sexuality, Jeffries recently took to TikTok to give some explicit and bizarre advice on oral sex. Responding to a user who asked whether sitting on someone's face meant sit or hover, he said, so here's the thing, ladies, if he's not pushing you up, gasping for air then you are probably doing it wrong oh that makes me that makes me feel oh, it gross. gets even worse yeah keep going okay so he continues to say you should be rubbing that thing all over his face like hard <laughs> his nose should be oh god all right his nose should be shoving your clit so far back up inside of you that it just drives you wild. Sit, not hover, sit, push down all your weight. He'll take care of the rest. This is according to West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So let's. So first off, I apologize to everybody that just had to listen to that. I. <laughs> uh, and secondly, I feel just as gross as you do. Now let's continue. As the now deleted TikTok began circulating online, Jeffries was called out by his fellow West Virginia politicians. The state's Democratic Party chair, Belinda Biafor, said West Virginia Republican Party leadership could, should condemn the actions of GOP delegate Joe Jeffries on his TikTok account. GOP delegate Jeffries has a slew of inappropriate and vulgar videos with his own sexually explicit commentary on a social media app aimed at youth. And on Friday, West Virginia House Speaker Robert Hanshaw decided that Jeffries should be removed from most of his committee posts, describing him as an embarrassment, not just to the House of Delegates, but to the entire state. Joe Jeffries has now been removed as vice chair of the Fire Departments and Emergency Medical Services Committee and has been completely removed from two other committees, including energy and agriculture. He will, however, remain on the committee on government organization. So I guess if there's a uh, fire in that vagina, you're screwed, huh? How long were you waiting to say that? Oh. <laughs> <Since that> <laughs> <laughs> uh, so despite his sexually explicit rant on a social media platform mostly used by young people, in 2019, Joe Jeffries took aim at a high school display encouraging support for LGBT plus pupils, claiming it was indoctrinating kids. So yeah, he can go on TikTok where all the kids are uh -huh. and talk about that I. Uh, but yeah, the the little the little high school display is indoctrinating kids. Anyway, the, yeah, the colorful display included lyrics from Taylor Swift's "You Need to Calm Down." But Jeffries claimed it was bullying children who didn't want to support their LGBTQ peers. He wrote on Twitter at the time, "I'm being told that this was put up by a teacher at Hurricane High right here in Putnam County, West Virginia." It's against school policy, and not everyone has to support or believe the way they do. Bullying is not okay in any form, period. Indoctrination of our children is happening. Yeah, screw this guy. Where do these people get off? I guess maybe on TikTok. But yeah, anyways. on TikTok. 
Oh my God. You know, it's like, why would you be like, you know, stick that nose way up in there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm gagging. Yeah. Anyway. Now don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing, there's nothing gross about a consensual adult sexual act. That's not what I'm saying. It just feels yucky coming out of his mouth. Right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, then they can't see what they did wrong there. You know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's just the logic is so warped that sometimes it just makes you <laughs> sit there and want to scratch your head or your, yeah. or, 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 or your clit and wonder. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. He would want to do it for you, but anyways. <laughs> now, switching gears a little bit here. Um, anti-trans Fox News host and Donald Trump fanatic uh, Tommy Lauren has surprisingly left to defend Caitlyn Jenner from despicable transphobia. So Jenner, who is currently running as conservative candidate for governor of California, was targeted with vile transphobic abuse when she attended the Conservative Political Action Conference, or uh, CPAC as it's commonly called on uh, Friday, July 9th. However, um, on Monday, July 12th, in an out-of-character move, uh, Lauren jumped to Jenner's defense. She wrote on Twitter, Hearing how conservatives treated Caitlyn Jenner at CPAC makes my blood boil. There's no room for your hate in America, First Amendment. We believe in freedom, and we believe in limited government. The way that she chooses to live her personal life harms you in no way. As her right-wing followers began to turn on her, she doubled down and said in another tweet, the attacks on Caitlyn Jenner are despicable. I'll go to the bat for her every single time. And if you want to take my conservative card for it, take it and shove it. Your mob is no better than the left's, and in fact, it's uglier. However, despite her surprise defense of Caitlyn Jenner against Republican transphobia, Tommy, who has once said Joe Biden might as well carry a purse because of the decision to wear a face mask, has a long history of anti-trans comments. She has repeatedly defended Donald Trump's ban on trans people serving in the U.S. military. In tweeting in 2017, the military is not a social experiment. Finally, a POTUS who understands the concept. Political correctness equals intellectual dishonesty. In a Facebook video the same year, she said that trans people have a psychological condition, which would make the U.S. military less effective. In 2019, when Gillette released a heartwarming advert that showed a dad teaching his trans son to shave for the first time, Lauren wrote on Twitter, the new Gillette ad features a transgender boy shaving for the first time. It's a little much to normalize and promote high school age kids undergoing hormone therapy and gender reassignment, don't you think? You know, so it's kind of like, I think people just love to pick and choose their battles, ignore the ones that are oh, yeah, inconvenient to them, you know, and then. Well, so, yes, I, I agree with you. And normally like a Bible I thumper, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, normally oh, I feel sin the this same way, way, but I will sin the other way. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So Normally after cake and eat it too. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to run rap shot all over you there. Uh, normally I feel the same way. I, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like this, uh, this person, what's her name? Uh, just call her, uh, Tommy. I hate the oh, natural last name. Yeah. L I H R N Lauren. Yeah. I think like. it's Lauren. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like, you know, maybe in the past she's tweeted, uh, things that appealed to her base, things that would get her uh, more in their favor, things that they wanted to hear. And maybe now, and I might be giving her too much of the benefit of the doubt. I think you are. Yeah. And maybe now she's just kind of like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say what I actually think. But who no, knows? I, I think people are just the Republicans are usually hypocrites. Yeah. You know, because if like you want to be, you know, an actual Republican, stop trying to involve religion and government. It doesn't belong. You know, that's our first error right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she's right in the current comments, you know, her being trans has nothing to do with her being Republican. Yeah. You know, you know, judge her on her views, not her personal life. So I agree with her now, but the fact that she was tweeting on that stuff back then. Because it was convenient and easy and right. on message for the Republican Party. Sure. You know, be consistent. You know, that's all I'm saying. Actually hold views that are consistent. I mean, I'm not complaining about our views now. They're much better. But it just, you see this all the time, you know. It's kind of like the people who complain the most about homosexuals are usually homosexuals themselves. Yeah. You know, it's like people who are not homosexuals usually don't give two shits. Right. 
it's how it works, you know? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I feel like we're always in the circle of, you know, you know, shit flowing downhill, shit flowing uphill, and then shit flowing downhill. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but, yeah, you know, speaking of uh, a-holes or Q non-a-holes. Sure. So the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus has been dogpiled with death threats by QAnon conspiracy theorists over a satirical song about teaching kids tolerance. The group shared a new song titled A Message from the Gay Community on Wednesday, and it wasn't long before conservatives got their hands on the tongue-in-cheek track. In the song, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus sing You Think That We'll Corrupt Your Kids If Our Agenda Goes Unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. Over the course of the four-and-a-half-minute song, the gay men hilariously joke about making children tolerant and fair, adding that they're going to do it bit by bit, quietly and subtly. The far right quickly latched onto the song, and individual members have faced 48 hours of relentless abuse, according to the group's executive director, Chris Vertigo. One commenter told Gay Men's Chorus that they were going to put lead in your head. Vertigo went on to explain that one Twitter user even took a screenshot of the members singing in the video and created a spreadsheet in an effort to identify them. Some members of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus even had the far right contact their workplaces claiming they were pedophiles. One Twitter user gained widespread traction on social media when they tweeted claiming that many members of the chorus are registered sex offenders. After checking the Megan's Law database, it was discovered that the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus members accused of being registered sex sex offenders were nothing of the sort. In fact, the Twitter user had actually found registered sex offenders with similar names to the members of the chorus, but they were living miles away from San Francisco. Vertigo revealed that they were forced to close their San Francisco office as the backlash intensified all staff were sent home in a bid to protect their safety. The situation spiraled so quickly out of control that the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus issued a statement on Thursday that went, the far-right conservative media found our video and have taken it as their cause. This has all happened in the last 24 hours and it continues to pick up steam. They have taken the lyrics out of context to support a narrative that suits their intolerant and hateful needs. It's obvious the tongue-in-cheek humor is lost on many. As a result, we have seen the user comments on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram become increasingly alarming. Emails to individuals and the chorus office are vitriolic and include threats of harm. The San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus went on to say that the response to its video proves that our message is critically important in today's world. Does it feel like sometimes that we're regressing backwards? Sometimes. And this is like a good example of it, you know? Well, you know, it's funny because during the Obama era, right? Yeah. It felt like we were constantly moving forward. Exactly. Uh, But when Trump came into power it gave all of those people that that were homophobic that were bigoted it gave them a voice and allowed them to like step back out of the shadows and be like nope we're still here and now we have a president who supports us you know yeah absolutely. you know it's kind of like i never remember people being as like you know like you'll see like people posting pictures of Trump, you know, hugging stuff and flags along with God and, you know, right. Jesus and stuff like that. They'll post them together, you know, on Facebook, you, you know, like usually it's your aunt who's doing yeah. this, you know? So, yeah. But anyways, um, the point I'm trying to get across here is that, is that people seem to worship him like he's a God. Right. And it's very concerning. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, he, talks like how we talk he believes what we believe you know when in fact none of that's actually true crazy why people think that behavior like that is okay to just hate upon other people you know yeah just absolutely just mystifies me there why people 
think that being mean is going to get them somewhere as opposed to being nice, you know? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. uh, Anyways there, I think we are done with the first part of the show here. We need to go ahead and take a break. Yeah, let's take a little break. We'll go ahead and do that here. So coming up next here on Non-Straight Cast, the Vatican tries to stall a controversial bill being debated in the Italian Senate that would criminalize homophobia. A Michigan artist and performer is working on bringing what's believed to be the first dry bar nightclub for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people to Grand Rapids. And we also have a Big Mac-inspired moment of conclusion as Not Straight Cast continues after this. If ensuring speed and security for your websites is a top priority for you, then search no further than Vox Onyx's shared website hosting plans. Vox Onyx uses SSD-powered servers and provides numerous site acceleration tools that will make your websites load noticeably faster. Additionally, Vox Onyx has deployed ZFS data storage to shield your website contents from corruption. Also, Voxonix will manage the task of migrating all the websites you need to their system at no cost to you. Get started with a free 30-day trial. You don't even need a credit card at voxonix.com. That's V-O-X-O-N-X.com. Afterwards, it's only $4.42 per month. Visit voxonix.com to get started now. Welcome back to Not Straight Cast. So, Jason, you get more coffee now? I sure did. Hey, what's your favorite kind of coffee? I'm just kind of curious. Uh, believe it or not, right now it's Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts, like a, like their like their breakfast blend, or yeah, yeah. I've been drinking their decaf. Yeah, what kind of um like roast do you prefer? Like dark, medium, light? I generally prefer dark roast. Okay, but I. But you're doing decaf, so it doesn't really matter. It's more or less taste than anything for you. Yeah, there aren't really very many dark roast decafs at my grocery store. There's a Starbucks. Okay. Uh, dark roast decaf, and it's it's pretty good. I always thought that that was my favorite, so I drank it like nonstop. And then one day they were completely sold out. Ah. So there was a sale on the dunkin donuts decaf and i was like well i'll just buy this bag of shit to get me through until my starbucks is back in stock i ended up liking it more and now that's what i drink it's either starbucks or dunkin donuts for most people there yeah me i found a brand called basic joe okay medium roast cups um usually the reason why i go for like weird brands is that it's like the cheaper they are okay the better i'm with them because i'll get more coffee Oh, wow. But my actual favorite brand, it's really weird. It's a Walmart brand. It's a triple chocolate, great value, yeah. cake up coffee. And I was so thrilled when I went there and they had it on sale for 98 cents for a package of 12. Oh, wow. I used to say I like clear off the whole entire shelf. I'm like, hell, these packages are only a dollar each, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought like five or six. So I had my triple chocolate coffee. Oh, wow. And nobody else in Pittsburgh can have any. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah i don't know why i just love chocolate flavored coffee but just yeah, even I, regular coffee too i'm fine with what i absolutely hate is hazelnut yeah i'm not and a big I fan so of so much of that shit left yeah. over from like christmas packages and stuff like that yeah me too and vanilla vanilla is not too bad it's the hazelnut that just kind of like gets very old very quickly yeah i like very very strong coffee if coffee is is very strong, it kind of takes on a little bit of a chocolatey taste on its own. Mm-hmm. Especially like cold brew, like nitro cold brew from Starbucks. Uh, it's so strong that it kind of tastes a little bit ice creamy. But I've actually discovered, though, because I like caffeine, mm-hmm. I usually now go for a light roast because I never realized that but light roasts actually have more caffeine. Yes, it does. Yeah. That's why it's called the wake up blend. Ah. Yeah, 
the dark roast has uh, has less caffeine in it. So welcome to Coffee Cast. Welcome to Coffee Cast. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about folks here who could use a cup of coffee. That would be the Vatican. I don't know. That's a horrible transition, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Could you come up with a better one? I don't know. Nope. <laughs> so last month's Pride Parade in Rome, members of the city's LGBTQ community waved the rainbow flags, strewed glitter, assholes, and generally extruded love to fellow marchers and those along the route, you know, because the glitter will never come out, right? That's why I called them assholes. Yeah. <laughs> when they occasionally showed flashes of ire, their mockery and ridicule were aimed at some of the Rome's most familiar figures, Pope Francis and the Vatican hierarchy. Some shouted at the churches they passed, others held sparkly signs with double entendres aimed at the pontiff. Still others strutted their stuff dressed as Francis himself. You know, normal pride stuff in Rome, right? What angered Italian LGBTQ citizens, though, was what they considered to be undue interference by the Vatican and its attempt to stall a controversial bill being debated in the Italian Senate that would criminalize homophobia. Named for its author, political and activist Alexandro Zan, the bill would also institute a day aimed at raising awareness of sexuality and gender issues in schools. Italian bishops had twice voiced their concerns about the Zan bill, claiming it would violate the religious freedom of Catholic schools, hospitals, and other institutions. When that fell on deaf ears, the Italian bishops' conference sent a diplomatic note to the Italian government on June 22nd. The Zan bill, the bishops argued, violated the accord signed in 1929 between Italy and Vatican City, known as the Lateran Treaty, that set expectations for mutual non-interference. In the middle of this heated debate, Francis sent a letter to the American Jesuit priest James Martin about Martin's efforts to promote inclusivity and to welcome LGBTQ individuals in the church. I can understand it's very confusing for people, said Juan Carlos Cruz, a clerical abuse survivor and member of the LGBTQ community. He frequently meets with Francis at the Vatican. Despite the Vatican's recent interference with the Zan bill, that's not who Pope Francis is, Cruz said, adding in private conversations with the pontiff makes it clear that not only did God make the activist gay, but loves him the way he is. Jamie Manson, president of Catholics for Choice and a longtime activist for LGBTQ rights in the Catholic Church, believes that Francis wants to be compassionate and merciful to marginalized people. He sees us as marginalized people, but he doesn't want to change the teachings that will free us from marginalization and get us justice. Catholic LGBTQ organizations are divided, Mason explained, between those who believe that the appealing to mercy and pulling at heartstrings will lead to change in the Vatican and those who have run out of patience. The dynamic can be attributed to hate the sin, not the sinner approach, but according to Cruz, it also suggests that there's not a little opposition to Francis's support for LGBTQ Catholics among Vatican officials. I've never seen in my life a more political and LGBTQ-obsessed Kirta, he said. It is sad to see how much Pope Francis wants to support and open his arms to the LGBTQ community and how much they put landmines in his path to be able to do it. Concerning the Catholic Diocese's ban on the blessing of same-sex couples, which occurred shortly after Francis' return from a historic trip in Iraq, Cruz said that he believes that in some ways the Pope is going to try to repair the harm the document did. The CDF document approved by Francis seemed to be an attempt to rein in the discussions taking place in Germany, known as the Synodal Path, a series of conferences involving local bishops and laity that has taken a progressive line on questions regarding sexuality and power structures in the church. But LGBTQ Catholics in other countries regarded it as a gratuitous slap and despite the ban from the Vatican, some German clergy have continued to bless the same-sex couples. Mason praised the Pope for opening the conversation on LGBTQ issues in the church, which she believes has led to meaningful change, but she added that the time for talk is over. She called for the Pope to meet with the members of the LGBTQ community at the Vatican and publicly acknowledge his private statements on LGBTQ issues. Cruz said he's known he's lucky to be able to speak with the Pope directly on these topics, praising Francis's efforts to evolve the Vatican's understanding of LGBTQ individuals, while adding that we cannot change the church teaching in a minute. He also longs for the Pope to speak openly on these topics, he said, and for him not to let others define it for him. There we go. Yeah, it's kind of tough there. I mean, 
so you have the Pope, who is obviously open to the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Vatican themselves, which aren't, you know? Right. It's a struggle. You know, it's like, yeah, you don't change things overnight, you know? Rome right. wasn't built in a day kind of situation. Right. So, yeah, I, I understand people are frustrated with it, but I mean, the Catholic Church is going to change very slowly. Oh, yeah. I think for them to survive, they have to change because it's not like they're doing well as a whole. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, they are notorious for sort of being in like a classic mindset. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not really changing very quickly, uh, not staying the same quite a bit. But uh, hopefully some change happens, even if it is slow. I mean, they came they have a hard time getting women to the clergy, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, just imagine like they have issues with women holding positions of power. Mm hmm how would they feel about the gays and the lesbians, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, the transgenders. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Let's talk about something more fun. Shall we? Yeah. I try to make the last stories fun. So here you go. All right. An artist and performer is working to bring what's believed to be the first dry bar and nightclub for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people to grand rapids. Buckstein, the first, the person behind the effort says the bar will be called Jules Molly House. Let me stop you here real quick. Mm-hmm. Do you see issues with this name? Jules Molly House. I do, yeah. What issues do you see with it? Molly is a is a drug. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Come here and roll. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I'm, this name has bothered me ever since I saw this story. <laughs> but anyways, I think they're trying to do something good. So I yeah. apologize. Go ahead. The intent is to provide a sober space where the LGBTQ community, including youth and those in substance recovery, can partake in nightlife, dancing, performances, game nights, and open mic nights, all without alcohol. There's a lot of people, not just in the LGBTQ community, but in the community overall, that struggle with addiction and alcoholism, Dine said. I noticed there was a gap kind of in our needs for a performance space and just kind of a queer friendly space that doesn't serve alcohol. Dine added that while there are a few great gay establishments in the city, there's a need for more diverse spaces as the community grows. In the LGBTQ community, we have a higher rate of homelessness. We have a higher rate of alcoholism. And a lot of that is just the way that the world has treated us and what's happened in our community. I think having a spot where if you're in recovery and you're a drag queen, you don't have to be with the alcohol. You have some place that you can perform that's a safe space that you don't have those pressures with, Dine said. The plan is to open Jules Molly House 2022 with the help of the community. Now through August 2nd, Dine will be working to raise $35,000 in donations that will be used to secure a lease agreement and location for the bar. I really want this to be something that's for the community and happens because of the community. So I'm asking for donations and holding fundraisers. So it really is a community-based project, Dine said. Jules will operate Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. until 3 a.m. Before 9 p.m., the space would function as a coffee house environment where queer youth can study or play games and recovery groups can meet after 9 p.m the dry bar and nightclub will be open to ages 18 and older and feature a variety of entertainment and dj dancing there will be a variety of non-alcoholic drinks including espresso coffee tea mocktails bottled drinks and pop along with some snack foods preferred vendors will be black indigenous and other people of color female lesbian gay queer, bisexual, transgender, intersex, asexual, and other non-cisgender individuals and or Michigan-owned businesses focused on sustainability. So, Jason, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think this will succeed? Yes, I've, I've talked about this. I think I've even talked about this with you, about how I wished that I had the capital to do something, this exact same thing here. Sober bars are becoming a thing all across the United States. And I think it would be fantastic to have one here. One of the things that really, really annoys me 
I, I talk about this a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that really, really annoys me is every time I bring it up, whoever I'm talking to makes the exact same fucking joke. Oh, so you mean a coffee shop? No. <laughs> well, no. you know, I mean, like a lot of people look at that and be like, yeah, it is a coffee shop. Because I was going to say this is going to be very tough for it to succeed. Why? Well, I mean, why do why do people go to the bars? For, you know, that's what you have to think about it to escape for a little bit. And usually mm-hmm. part of that escape is unfortunately alcohol. Well, sort so of, as that's... much as I think you're going into this with good intentions, mm-hmm. whether it would actually succeed from a business standpoint is a different story. Oh, I completely disagree with you. I and here's, think, here's I why. think if the venue is nice enough and the proper amount of money is invested in it, that I think you would have something here. Mm-hmm. But the problem I see with this is that since they're having to do fundraisers just to raise the money to open the place up, I, I, that kind of is worrying me there because I mean I have a feeling the capital won't be there. And as okay. much as I love to see this succeed, don't get me wrong, because mm-hmm. I completely agree with you on the fact that places like this are needed, whether it actually succeed from a business standpoint is a different story. Okay. Because if I could go to a bar and have more people there, you know, and quote unquote, have a little more fun. I think more people would be likely to do that. And it's just an unfortunate truth, you know? All righty. But let me ask you here. I mean, because you feel like something like that would succeed. Yes. Why do you think so? Well, there are a number of reasons. First okay. off, you say that the reason that people go to the bar is to escape. And most of the time that includes alcohol. I disagree. I think that there are a number of different reasons why people go to the bar. Some of them uh, are just for the social interaction. Some of them are for the the shows or the events that are happening. And there also just so happens to be alcohol there. There are also a lot of people that go to the bars who are recovering alcoholics or just choose not to drink and they drink water. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the most, uh, the highest cost thing in a bar is the liquor. Uh, and bottled beer is the second, but liquor is the highest cost thing in a bar. When somebody pours a, uh, a rum and Coke, uh, they have poured approximately six cents worth of soda into that cup and approximately like a dollar and a half worth of liquor into that cup. So if you eliminate the liquor, your margins go way, way, way up and your overhead decreases significantly. Uh, So every time somebody comes in there, like coffee shops, coffee shops, it it costs nothing for them to, to make a cup of coffee or brew a shot of espresso. The reason you're paying two, four, six dollars for your coffee is because of the cup. That cup costs that company so much money. But the the liquid inside barely costs them anything. Well, wouldn't it be more or less the person holding the cup, filling it up for you is actually what's the cost there? Well, no, I'm talking labor cost. I'm talking about the 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 product, but yeah, the labor, the overheads, uh, you know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about the cost to create the the product, the 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 food or drink cost. Mm-hmm. I so I feel like a place like a sober bar. The, uh, the the food and drink costs are going to be, well, the drink costs specifically, I don't know if they're having food or not, but the drink costs specifically are going to be way higher in margin and they're going to make a lot more money. Additionally, they're opening their, uh, their club to 18 and up. So that means all of the people, like you remember, we had a bar here, for those of you not from Pittsburgh, we had a bar here named Cruz. It was a, a big dance club. Their busiest night was Thursday because they had an 18 and up night. And that was the one night that the 18 to 21 year olds felt like they could go out to a club. It was packed. There was a mm-hmm. line down the street every week. So that 18 to 21 year old demographic is going to make up a lot of their nightly revenue. And I uh, couple that with the fact that the margin on their drinks is significantly higher. I feel that as long as they can get people in the door financially, they'll be successful. I guess we will see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but 
if you take a look at the article, they're not just opening this up to, uh, you know, people who want to get drunk, you know, uh, this is going to be focused on, you know, the 18 to 21 year olds are going to be a big part of it. People in recovery are going to be a big part of it because they can now go see a drag show or participate in karaoke in an environment that they like, but without the alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you do make some good points here. See, I'm more just worried that, you know, just in general, the whole entire concept of bars seems to be kind of in gay bars as a whole mm-hmm. kind of seems to be going by the wayside. Yeah, perhaps it becomes more, you know, integrated per se. Well, that may be true here, but we don't have a lot of experience outside of this city. We have no idea what the Grand Rapids gay scene is like. However, your point is valid because, you know, when I talk about this, I want to do this exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I still, def- despite the fact that, quote, gay bars, which when I type that, I put quotes around it because mm-hmm. they're not gay bars anymore, you know? Right. Uh, gay bars are sort of like falling by the wayside because even the, quote, gay bars that we have here in Pittsburgh, uh, they're being flooded with you know straight people who want to see the drag shows and uh bachelorette parties and just regular uh regular straight people that just want to be in that environment uh or they come with their friends or you know whatever but i do think that labeling place labeling someplace a queer safe space is still a valid thing to do oh i completely agree with you there yeah so, yeah, we'll see what happens here, and good luck to them, and hopefully uh, they succeed in this. Yeah, absolutely. So. I would love to see something like this happen in Pittsburgh. That would be where I go for my nights out. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do have a point there. So, I mean, if if I could go to P-Town right now and get a coffee, I would do that. Hell, I've been petitioning for coffee there, even yeah. if it's alcoholic coffee. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not hard to add alcohol to coffee. Yeah. I would certainly have a few coffees while I'm there. Absolutely. Like going over to the care or to the uh, to the bingo and the game nights and whatnot. Yeah. I would much rather be sitting there sipping on a coffee over a long period of time uh, as opposed to to water or because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not drinking now. I don't drink. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't like Red Bull. I don't like just plain orange juice. I don't like just plain soda. You know what I mean? If I could go to a bar and get a cup of coffee or a mocktail that's really well blended and balanced. Yeah. Uh, while still watching people sing karaoke, watching a drag show, something like that. I would absolutely do that. Absolutely. And um, the bar would make more money from it. Yeah. <laughs> if right. there's no liquor in it. All right. Exactly. So anyway, let's talk about some cheeseburgers. All right. From ABC news. A police chase of a woman in a stolen truck ended at McDonald's drive-thru after she tried to order food during the pursuit. The chase happened around 8.45 a.m. in Worcester, Massachusetts on Tuesday. Officers got a 911 call about a stolen pickup truck in the eastern part of the city. The man that made the 911 call told officers that a woman, whom he said he didn't know, climbed into his car and drove away. He said his pickup truck had GPS and he could still see its location. As officers made their way to the area of the stolen truck, they were flagged down by another driver who said their car had been hit by the truck minutes before, police said. Joanna Gardell, 38, was identified as the person accused of stealing the truck, and officers said they found her in the stolen truck a few blocks away. The officer activated his blue lights got out of his cruiser and approached the stolen vehicle, said the Worcester Police Department in a statement on Tuesday. The operator drove away as the officer walked towards her. So the officer got back in his cruiser and followed her at a low rate of speed, but she did not stop. Miss Gardell began to increase her speed on Main Street and drove through red lights. The officer deactivated his lights and sirens and stopped following her for safety reasons. The woman allegedly crossed into the wrong lane and oncoming traffic, hitting a van, officers said. She backed up the vehicle at a high rate of speed and struck a cruiser behind her and 
knocked down and dragged one of the detail officers. Officers pursued the stolen vehicle at a low rate of speed before the pursuit was called off for safety reasons, the department said. Gardell allegedly pulled into the drive-thru at a nearby McDonald's and tried to order food, but officers found her and tried to arrest her. Officers approached her in two vehicles, but she intentionally struck one before veering off the road and getting the stolen pickup truck stuck in a pile of mulch that was on the McDonald's property. Officers were then able to pull Gardell out of the vehicle as she fought and struggled with them during the arrest, according to police. Gardell is facing a litany of charges, including failure to stop for police, leaving the scene of an accident with personal injury, assault and battery by means of a dangerous weapon, malicious mischief to motor vehicle. Is that a thing? I've never heard of malicious mischief to motor vehicle. I've never heard of it before. Neither have I. All right. So malicious mischief to motor vehicle, disturbing the peace, disorderly conduct and use of motor vehicle without authority, among several others, as if those weren't enough. The Worcester Police Department said that Gardell will now be arraigned in court and the investigation into the incident is ongoing. It is unknown as to whether Gardell received her order at the drive through However, it is believed the incident was caused because Gardell was unable to find a McDonald's with a working ice cream machine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I made uh, that last yeah. part up, but it's funny. No, but, you know, it's probably true, to be honest with you there. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to go commit crime, but I'm also hungry. Yeah. Well, she was. So I don't know if I if I read this incorrectly or if it was just being redundant, but it seems like they began to pursue her. They called it off. They began to pursue her again. They called it off and she was probably like, okay, well, they're just going to leave me alone now. I'm going to McDonald's. <laughs> Get your Big Mac and chicken nuggets and yum, yum, yum. Absolutely. So, all right. So before we go, subscribe to us where all great podcasts are sold. Also check out notstraightcast.com, which has links to our previous shows, our Facebook and Twitter pages, our Discord server, the notstraight.store, blogs, news, and more. If you like us, please leave a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. And once again, we want to thank you very much here for listening to the Not Straight Cast. And as always, until next time, have a not straight one.